Welcome to Village Church of Gurney Podcast. This week, Pastor Dan will be preaching the sermon, Gospel Encounters Gives Gospel Life. And Pastor Dan will be preaching from Acts 8, 26 through 40. Let's join Pastor Dan now. Well, in my life, there, are, there have been certain moments, certain times where I just really felt and sensed the Lord leading me to a very specific place at a specific time for a really specific purpose. Maybe you've had that experience. For me, the first time, one of the first times I experienced that was the summer after my freshman year of college, and I was working at a camp in Minnesota. I showed up at the camp, and we'd have week after week groups of young people coming in. And one thing I learned right away is that for a lot of them, they knew about church, but they didn't really know about Jesus. And so week after week, I got to have incredible conversations with both campers and staff, where for the first time, they began to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and to celebrate actually people giving their lives to Christ, and just sensing, wow, God, you have me here for a specific purpose right here at this time. Today, we're going to turn to God's word. We're going to look at an experience like that. We're going to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to see this encounter between Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch, an Ethiopian man. And we're going to see from this encounter just some incredible things that we can learn. And so you can turn to that. It's in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Turn in your Bibles or on your phone. And I want you, as we dive into this passage, to really enter into the story personally and look and see what this story, this encounter, what it has to speak to you, how it, how it challenged you even to have gospel encounters that can lead to gospel life. Now, this encounter begins with a nudge from the Holy Spirit. It's the initial step to go, to go, to be available and go towards what I call gospel encounters. Listen to these words from Acts 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, and here it is, Go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. Now, if you notice, we're not given any details about where Philip was at in that moment. It doesn't make it to the pages of Scripture. What matters is that Philip was pointed by God through the Holy Spirit to a new place, to go to this new place. God had a plan for them. It was a divine prompting to rise and go. And for us, as we receive that in, it's a word for us that we need to be open to receive prompting, stirrings from the Lord to go places. Maybe the Lord places someone on your heart to reach out to, to pray for, to call, to write a to note to, all, all those things, to, to, to be ready and listening for those promptings in the Lord in our heart. Now, sometimes God leads us to places that are really natural. It may be a neighbor. It may be someone you work with. It may be a friend. It may be a family member. But at other times, and this story shows us that sometimes God pl places in, and takes us to places that are a little bit challenging, maybe that are not so convenient. Sometimes he calls us out of our comfort zone, and that happens here because, you see, God calls Philip to this place, this Gaza, which is the last of five Palestine settlements. And after Gaza was just desert wasteland. So you can picture, like, this is not an easy place that, that, that Philip is being called to go. And I think just for us, that this is a word for us to go anywhere that God calls us to go. Even if it's 
out of our comfort zone to have that openness. And we see here that Philip obeyed. It says that he rose and went. He responds right away. There's not like this sense of like, hey, I need to get a subcommittee together and decide that it's like this makes sense because this is kind of a wild, crazy thing to do. He just goes. You think in the Old Testament, this is a almost reverse example of Jonah, where Jonah went the opposite direction. Philip goes, and it says that, that he, he rose and went. He just catched it. He is running almost to, to this place of Gaza. Sometimes in church we talk about having a growing faith. And sometimes we think of growing faith as reading the Bible and studying and, and doing those things. And those are really needed. But I want to tell you that a growing faith is also a going faith. If, a, if your faith is not on the move and going, it's not really truly going. These words, some of the last words he speaks to us, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we need to be on the go. So as we obey this command to, to go, next we need to look. And you're going to see in this passage that we need to look for open doors for all types of gospel encounters. Listen where the passage goes next. It says, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her, of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So Philip has a surprise encounter. He wasn't planning on this, but this encounter emerges with this Ethiopian man. And I just sense that in that moment, Philip's heart tugs towards him. He sees someone that needs Jesus, and he is drawn towards him. Now, what do we learn about this man? There's a few things that we learn. We learn have considered would have been uh, encompassed southern Egypt and northern Sudan. So you kind of picture where he is. But one thing is true that in that in that time, Ethiopia was considered literally the ends of the earth. When you said Ethiopia, it was like that was the end. We didn't know what went afterwards. And I just think this is a beautiful living out of Jesus' commands that are written just a few chapters earlier in Acts 1-8 when Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's where Philip is going, literally to the ends of the earth now. And check out the amazing open door that he has with this Ethiopian man. This Ethiopian man had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he knows Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. So there is already a softening, a working, a stirring in his heart towards God. Yet this man would have been a strong outsider in Jerusalem. He had a couple of things going against him. One, he was a Gentile. And two, he was a eunuch. And because of those things, the law of Israel excluded eunuchs from religious privileges. So this man had while he had gone to Jerusalem, he would not have been allowed into the temple to actually worship God up. And now you see this man returning home. And on the, on the way back, somehow he had gotten a, a scroll. Like, they didn't have Bibles like this. He's got a scroll of the book of Isaiah, and he's reading through this scroll. And you can see the hunger and the thirst in this man trying to find his way in life. I think of my own, in my own family, my brother Jim was the first in my family to become a Christian. And before that, he was, 
He was as far away from God as you could get. He, he dove all the way into the world, and all the world had to offer. But my brother Jim was lost. He just didn't know that. There was a friend that, a, a guy that my brother worked with that shared about Jesus. And in the moment, actually, Jim was not that interested. He was like, oh, gosh, this guy's talking about Jesus again. But the guy at one point gave Jim a Bible. Jim took that Bible and put it under his bed to collect dust for several years. But then, eventually, God convicted my brother's heart and opened him. And Jim went, and he pulled that Bible out. It was a New Testament Bible. He opened to the book of Matthew, began reading the genealogy. He's like, wow, the Bible is about Jesus. And over the course of the coming months, he read through the Bible over and over again and eventually gave his life to Christ. Think of how that began. Someone seeing an open door. Someone saying, I'm going to share Christ with this person. We need to be on the lookout for open doors like that personally ourselves. So we see in this passage, we go, we look, and then we need to enter. We need to enter into the very movement of God. See, the Spirit here, the Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. It was a specific command. Go there, Philip. A specific prompting, not just a general, be nice to people, but go to that person right there. And I'm going to tell you that that would have taken boldness. If you were in a chariot, that meant that you were super, super wealthy and important. And here's Philip like, oh, my gosh, you're asking me to go to that. Like, that would have been intimidating. And I think this is something that reminds us to challenge us to not surrender to our nerves, but to lean into the Lord for help. I think also sometimes I could picture like, you know, a modern-day scenario where Philip would have been like, I don't know, that guy's like riding his chariot. Does he really want to hear? Does he really want someone to come talk with him? And I don't want to bug him. And we kind of like say that. But for us to, to, to hear the word, to not assume that people don't want to hear about Jesus. And thankfully in this case, Philip let, listened to the Spirit, and he literally ran over to the chariot, the Bible says. He senses the divine moment. I love a story that my wife Jenny shares at a point when she was in college. And she was at that point, she had, her faith had drifted away. She wasn't really involved in the faith, but she was on a plane ride back from a spring break trip. And I don't know if you've had this experience where you're on a plane, and she's got um, a guy on one side and a young teenage girl on the other side. And this guy begins just talking about all the problems in his life. And while, Jesus, uh, by, while Jenny's faith was not active at that point, she was kind of inside thinking like, I think he needs Jesus. And lo and behold, the young teenage girl says, you need Jesus. She tells that to the guy. And for the rest of the plane ride, Jenny and this girl begin sharing about Jesus to this guy. This teenage girl has no idea that really she's also sharing her faith with Jenny, who's joining on, and her faith is beginning to rekindle and reignite because that young teenage girl entered into the divine moment. It's so powerful for us to, to open ourselves? What if we open ourselves to, to at least one gospel encounter every day? That's so powerful to think, and God wants us to do those kinds of things. So let's remember, we go, we look, we enter, and next it's time to ask, to ask really good questions that help spark gospel conversations. See, Philip hears the Ethiopian man reading from Isaiah, and, and he asks a question. He just says, do you understand what you're reading? Yes, that is such a, a simple but awesome, profound question. Sometimes when we think about, like, striking up a conversation, I think we overthink this. We're like, oh, my gosh, I have to just ask the right question. 
He literally just says, do you understand what you're reading? Like, make the questions supernatural and appropriate for the moment. Some questions that are just simple that I like to, to ask are just caring about the person, saying, like, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything bothering you? Is there anything that I can pray for you? Asking for, for prayer requests is an awesome way to start a gospel conversation. What I would call, kind of call, like, what do you think about questions? Like, what do you think about the Bible? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about church? What do you think about Christmas? What do you think about Easter or baptism? I mean, like, the sky's the limit. Like, what do you think about type questions? You could get a feel of their church background. Do you go to church? What do you think about church? These are types of good questions to ask, and you guys can come up with a whole host of your own. But the, the, the thing here is to ask those questions and to know that a lot of people really actually want to dive into these types of conversations way more than we think. Because the Ethiopian, look at what he says here. He's really honest. He says, how can I? How can I understand unless someone guides me? That word that he used there with guides is related to someone guiding a blind person. This man is literally saying, like, I'm, I'm blind to understand what this is saying. I need someone to help me. He's like, help. I mean, this is such a huge open door. We need to realize that a lot of people feel that way, and they just need someone to help them. The Ethiopian man invites Philip to come up and sit with his death. He, had a ter- he was terminally ill with brain cancer. And people w- fr- would come and talk with Uncle Bunky. And the typical conversations in northern Wisconsin were about weather and sports, all right? That's the things that people talked about. And some of my family said, like, we're going to go and talk with Uncle Bunky about more than that. We're going to ask him about how he's really doing. We're going to ask him questions about faith. We're going to dive into talking about life and death and the hope that we can have in Jesus. In the weeks following, we, we and read with Uncle Bunky, and we would sing songs, and we would pray with him to the point where when we would come, my uncle would, like, leave the room. He'd be like, everyone just stay here. He would go into his bedroom and come back with one of these, like, old-school tape recorders. Parents, you can explain to the kids later what that means. And he would hit, he would hit record and record our whole conversation, everything that we said. He wasn't doing that when they were talking about sports and weather. And what we found out later is that Uncle Bunky, when late at night pain spiked, he would listen to those gospel, those conversations over and over and over again, speaking life into him. Those are the things that we need to do to dive into conversations and ask good gospel questions to get people talking. So going back to this gospel flow that we see from Philip, we go, we look, we enter, we ask, and now we shine. We shine the spotlight on Jesus. You see, the scripture that this man was reading is from Isaiah 53. And this is a power. You can read this later. This is a powerful chapter. that It's called the, the Suffering Servant Song. And it's really about Jesus. We know that. But just picture him. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
wow, of all the passages in the Old Testament, before any words, any words had been written in the New Testament, this is the passage that he's drawn to. You can tell this is not a coincidence. God is all over this because he is drawn to a chapter that is saturated with prophecy about Jesus. And, but he doesn't know that. The, the, the Ethiopian man, he wonders out loud who the prophet's talking about. He, he literally says this. He says, tell me, please. He's pleading. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip, in that passage, and from that passage, he is able to explain the gospel to the man. Now, a couple weeks ago, I served on a mission trip to Camp Barnabas. We've got some Camp Barnabas people out here that served there. One of the beautiful things towards the end of the week, the, the, the students that serve as counselors, they're matched up one-on-one with a camper, and they do an activity. It's just simply called gospel. In meeting one-on-one, they walk through their, with their camper the gospel message, how God created the world. Yet we know that sin entered through, through temptation and, 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 and made this division between us and God and how the rest of the Old Testament is a yearning because of that problem. And we see the answer in Jesus as he comes and he lives perfectly and he dies on the cross for us and the life that we can have in you, in, in him. And so in this gospel activity, they're able to one-on-one share with a camper. This is a beautiful thing as I'm watching the, the, the students having these conversations. And that should in, inspire us to know the gospel enough that we, could, that we could share that message with someone else and actually get to the place where we are sharing the gospel with people. Now we're going to see that there's one final step in this gospel encounter that we see from Philip. We go, look, enter, ask, shine, and then finally, invite. Invite people to respond by taking steps closer and closer to Jesus. Listen to these words in verse 36. It says, and as they were going along, they came to water. We got some water over here. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. See, the, the, the Ethiopian man, he sees the water and he expresses his desire like, I should be baptized right now. The Spirit is working in his life. Philip had explained what it meant to truly follow Jesus, and this man wants to do that right in that moment. Now, in a little bit, we're going to have some baptisms over here. And the people that are being baptized, they're taking a significant step. They're saying that, that they have placed Jesus number one in their life, and they want to publicly profess that. And baptism is a powerful symbol of what's already happened in their life. So we can celebrate with them in just a little bit. But I wonder for you here that are all here gathered, what, what step of faith is the Lord putting on your heart this morning? Maybe for some of you, you're like my brother Jim, before he knew Christ, and, and the Lord is beginning to open up and stir in your heart, and you're like, I'm thinking I, I'm understanding what it means to be a Christian, and maybe this is your time right now. Maybe the Lord, as you, as you watch people, young people be baptized today, maybe as you see some of these, these 10 that are getting baptized, it stirs you in your heart to take the step of baptism, whatever age you are. Maybe the Lord's going to be prompting on your heart the challenge to share your faith with someone this week, maybe even today. Be open to that, to invite people to respond by taking steps closer and closer to Jesus. Now, as we finish here, as we continue reading and, and finish up this, this account between Philip and the Ethiopian, 
man, there's one th- more thing that I, I want to point out. We find here that we are supposed to continue to repeat these types of gospel encounters over and over and over again. Read this, listen to me as, as I read in verse 39. It says, And when they came up out of the water, he baptizes them, they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at, at <clears throat> Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, I just want to point out, something happens here, as far as I know, does not happen anywhere else in the Bible. Where this man, like, does the baptism, and, like, he's gone. I think we call that teleportation, all right? So this is before, like, superhero movies were popular. We had the first one in the Bible. But as you look, what's interesting, as you look in the Bible, you would think, like, that is a pretty amazing miracle. Like, that should make the top miracle hit list. But it actually is just, it's sort of like an afterthought. The big message here is not to focus on this miraculous relocation, but on how the gospel continued to spread now in two different places. So for the Ethiopian, if you look at him, it says that he didn't, like, he comes up, he's like, where's the dude that just baptized me? That's kind of weird. He doesn't go around looking for him like he's lost. Instead, it says that he left rejoicing, not sad, but rejoicing, and he goes on we, I believe that to share the gospel, while his name is not in the Bible after this point, uh, a, a church, a second century church historian, Irenaeus, says that he became a missionary to the Ethiopians. And I, I, in my heart, I believe that that's, that's true. For, for Philip, he miraculously appeared in this town 20 miles north in Azotus. And he continues to spread the gospel town after town after town, all the way to Caesarea. So again, the focus is on the gospel cycle being repeated, all right? So today, we're going to have some baptisms. I am not expecting to disappear, all right? But I will tell you that that would make relocation really easy, at least for me. The rest of my family would be left with packing my house, and I'd be like up in Minneapolis, all right? That's, that's not going to happen today. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but here's the deal. As we leave, and I've been thinking about this for myself. This is going to be hard. This is going to be sad. Like, I know eventually, I did not cry in this message, but I know the tears are going to eventually come. Someone, one of you is going to crack me. I know it's going to happen, maybe when we do baptisms here. But one thing that we know is that as we leave and we go to Minneapolis, we are going to be able to continue to cheer and celebrate the gospel work that's going on here at Village Church. And although I know that there's other people that are visiting from other areas, we're going to be able to cheer you on and celebrate the gospel work going on here. And I would just invite you to cheer on and celebrate the gospel work that's going to be going on in the Minneapolis area where my family is going to be serving. That's a beautiful thing. As we say goodbyes, they're, they're partial goodbyes, and we can continue to rejoice and celebrate with one another. So I just encourage you with that word. So just as we bring this to a wrap, I think the, 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 the word I want to leave us with is to take time to really look for gospel encounters, to look for them, and to really lean into them, to not let them pass. Philip ran in towards this gospel encounter. I want to follow after his lead and to help other people experience gospel life. You see, those, gos- those gospel encounters that I had that summer back when I was in, in college, my college freshman year, 
those shouldn't be the rare exception. Those shouldn't be like the anomalies. Those should be the regular pattern of our life. Those types of conversations, gospel encounters that lead to gospel life. And so, Village Church and friends and family, all of you here, may we rise up today. May God stir in us to be a gospel people that run towards gospel encounters that lead to gospel life. Let's pray together. Lord, again, I just thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day and the sun shining down and reminding us of your goodness. God, thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died for us and that we, we, we ourselves, each one of us, we can have that gospel life. And help us, stir in us, Lord, to be people that are not like a stagnant, dead pond, but like a flowing river that we could be vibrant in sharing our faith and being a part of gospel encounters that lead to this gospel life. God, help us to have that boldness. Help us to have that love. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We love you so much. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to Village Church of Gurney's podcast. If you would like to know more about Village Church, you can go to our Facebook page under Village Church of Gurney or go to www.bcgurney.org.